0: Hello, faithful listeners. Welcome to Superstitions, a Spotify original from Parcast. I'm Alastair Murden. If you're just joining us, our show takes the history and cultural background of behaviors we take for granted, like walking under a ladder or avoiding the number 13, and tells stories about how they affect human lives. Now, today's superstition is one you do not have to go outside for, It can and will find you very much at home. You see, architects can be very specific when planning out a house. And according to some cultural traditions, the number of steps in a house can determine the fortune of those that live within. Filipino architects abide by this superstition, which holds that the number of stairs in a house cannot be a multiple of three. The tradition holds that you should count the stairs as you go up, saying oro, plata, mata, oro, plata, mata, until you reach the final step. In Spanish, these words essentially mean gold, silver, and death. If your final step falls on death, your own home has cursed you with bad luck. You can find episodes of Superstitions and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. Coming up, the story of a building that flaunted every architectural superstition. That's Science VS. New season out on Spotify soon. Everyone knew there was something off about Bantock House. Designed by famous architect Rodrigo Bantock, it was a perfectly ordinary residence in many respects. Three bedrooms, two bathrooms, a basement, an attic, a living room a kitchen with a walk-in pantry. Perhaps it was the lavish design of the place. You wouldn't know it from the modest residential neighborhood. But once you stepped inside, you could see a cavernous entrance hall and three flights of mahogany stairs, two leading up and one leading down. These stairs felt the weight of many generations. Children who became parents, parents who became grandparents, These stairs were well acquainted with death. The story I'm about to tell you is from the recent past, maybe 20 years or so ago. Some of the individuals involved are even still alive, having recovered from the events that transpired that summer in Bantok House. Some, but not all. Dino Medina was shocked by how easily the heavy door opened. The atmosphere inside seemed thick with memories. Dino hadn't known what to expect from his summer vacation. His college life in America was so different from his life back home that it felt like travelling between two different planets. One was the world of the young, partying, studying and living life to its fullest. The other was the world of the old where his sister Eva would rope him into caring for his perpetually sick mother day in and day out. He loved his family, but the longer he spent at university, the more going home felt like a detour. A regression rather than a progression. And it seemed this summer would be the same. Until he got the letter, offering him a summer job house-sitting the most infamous building in his barangay. He took the opportunity without hesitation. Having a whole house to himself for a month was too enticing, no matter what people said about the place. He could read without interruption, have company over without telling his sister or mother, dive into his myriad of work-study applications for the next semester. It was total freedom. As long as he picked up the mail and scared away vandals. It even seemed like the house itself welcomed him. As Dino stepped into the entranceway, the door swung shut behind him, slamming with a force that shook the walls. As if in response, something fell from the rafters and landed at Dino's feet. It was an ancient coin, a single piso, probably minted in 1898 from the look of it. It reminded him of something his mother once told him. Houses in the Philippines, especially older ones, were often built with coins embedded in the foundations as a seal against bad luck. This coin must have somehow been squeezed out of its resting place by decades of building pressure. Dino didn't think of it as anything more than a bit of luck as he pocketed the coin. But counting on any kind of luck when it comes to Bantok House is a risky thing. For Rodrigo Bontoc designed this house specifically to test the superstitious practices of his colleagues. Even Dino could tell that something felt wrong about the place, though he couldn't put his finger on the reason. He hadn't paid any mind to the Arratile's trees lining the front garden, nor had he consciously recognised how odd it was for the house to face west rather than east or that the staircases all bent ever so slightly to the left. (laughs) The first sign of trouble came only two days into his stay, when Dino threw a party for a handful of old friends from the neighbourhood. He was smart enough to keep the guest list small but it still was a more raucous evening than Bantock House had seen in years, maybe even generations. When they were sufficiently inebriated, a number of his friends went out back and started an improvised game of Tum Preso, or Hits the Can, lining up cans and bottles on the fence and throwing shoes at them. Dino came out to put a stop to this, but was sidetracked almost immediately by a drunk friend named Benito. Tell me, there really treasure-buried in this house?" Dino rolled his eyes. He'd heard the rumours, of course, that on top of the pisos in the foundation, Rodrigo Bontoc had hidden some kind of vast fortune somewhere within the old place. People just loved to take a kernel of truth and inflate it into something fantastical. He reminded Benito that even if there was a buried treasure, there was no way the owners would have told their house-sitter about it. Then what's that lump? Benito asked, gesturing at a strange raised mound a few feet away. Dino laughed. (laughs) I wouldn't go looking for buried gold there, buddy. That's a septic tank. Dino finally managed to herd his friends back indoors. As they stepped back into the soundproofed interior, he let his shoulders relax. Then, something that felt like a coil of wet rope landed on them. Dino froze as whatever it was started writhing. He heard a number of his nearby friends scream and then a faint hiss right in his ear. Dino's heart pounded as the snake's slick coils slid across his neck. Would it bite? Or was it a friendly household snake? A hand closed around the creature as one of his friends ripped it from his shoulders and flung it onto the floor. Someone, Dino couldn't tell who in the commotion, brought their foot down on the snake's head. The room went quiet. Dino struggled to slow his breathing while a friend named Tala stooped over the dead snake. It looks like a pit viper. I wonder where it came from? Are they... poisonous? Dino asked. The correct term is venomous, and yes, they are, but they're usually pretty shy. I don't know why it would have jumped you like that. Everyone looked up to the ceiling. They saw nothing but rafters and severely cracked crossbeams. A shudder passed through the group as everyone imagined snakes looking down on them. Though Dino remained unharmed, the snake had pretty effectively poisoned the mood of the party. Soon. Everyone found an excuse to go home early. Dino didn't object. He stood by the doorway and waved them goodbye before heading back up the stairs. As he crossed each one, he counted to himself, a habit from his childhood. Oro, plata, mata. Oro, plata, mata. Oro, 1. Plata, Two, Mata. Three. Rinse. Repeat. Until the top of the stairs. Oro. Plata. Mata. He stopped. Eighteen steps. A shiver ran up his spine. And then he tried again. Oro. Plata. Mata. This time, he ended on Plata. He tried again and landed on Oro. With a gulp he mounted the steps again and ended on Marta. Was he too drunk to count properly? Or did the number of steps in this house change every time he walked up or down? But the alcohol soon won out over his curiosity and he went upstairs to go to sleep. He awoke to the sound of something hard hitting a window. At first, he thought it was local kids flinging rocks but when he cleared his eyes, he saw a small cluster of down feathers and a faint pink smear on the glass. He opened the window and looked down to the yard below. Something small and blue was twitching in the grass. It looked like a bird. The events of the night before came flooding back. The snake, the odd staircase. His mother had told him something about that silly step tradition years ago What was it? something about the final step landing on number three. Mata. Death. It didn't take a genius to work out why that was ominous, but what did it mean? Gold and silver were prosperity related. But was death only in the pattern because it rhymed? He went out to the main staircase and glared at it. For a moment, it looked like it was receding away from the light. And then a noise broke the silence. The ancient phone almost seemed surprised to be ringing. Dino considered letting it go, then decided he should probably take a message. He lifted the dusty receiver. His sister's voice answered. It's Eva, you idiot. Who else would be calling? How did you get this number? Apparently, even haunted houses appear in the phone book. Are you free this afternoon? She didn't even wait for an answer. I need you to swing by the pharmacist to pick up a package for mom, okay? I'm tied up at work and she needs these meds. They know who you are, so it's going to be quick. Eva, I'm sorry. I really need to work on these applications. If I don't get them in the mail today, it won't reach the States in time. You better work fast then. With that, she hung up. Dino dusted off the receiver and returned it to the cradle with a sigh. Even with a whole house to himself, he couldn't escape the obligations that came with being home. The day flew by in an anxious blur. He barely managed to post all five of his applications, then sprinted to the pharmacy. He didn't know what they were or what they did, probably a new wonder drug or immunity booster that his mother hadn't tried yet. In his more cynical moments, Dino thought she was an ideal patient for this industry, someone who never got better but stayed alive so they could test every new drug out on her. He never told these theories to his mother, of course. She was a sweet and trusting woman, the kind who presumed good faith from everyone. Her room was decorated with dried sambaguita flowers in the corner His mother was asleep, snoring through a film of mucus at the back of her throat. He tried his best to ignore the smell of sweat and sick from the bathroom. He set the pills on her bedside table. For a moment, he considered waking her, but decided against it. They could catch up later, he reasoned. And truth be told, he was still preoccupied with the ineffable staircase and the snake. Even when he ran into his sister in the hallway, he still wasn't fully shaken out of his daze. Where are you going? Eva asked. Dina replied absent mindedly Back to Barntock House. I ran your errand. Mum's napping. Eva's words had venom in them when she next spoke. Can't wait to get out, can you? Dino turned. Excuse me? It's your pattern. You're never here when you're here. You show up every year or so to make sure Mum isn't dead, and once your conscience is clear, you want nothing to do with us. Dino protested, but she wasn't finished. I know you've got ambitions. I know you've got a life that's thousands of miles away from ours, but you keep bringing the distance back with you every time you visit. Mom is too nice to say it, but I'm all the family she has left. You're just a ghost." Dino didn't invite his friends over after that. Whether it was the confusing omens or his sister's accusation, he couldn't say. Either way, the best course of action, it seemed, was to keep quiet and let the rest of his time in Bantock House pass without incident. And it might have done, if not for the reputation of the place. See, Benito was not the only one who had heard the rumours of buried treasure. Though a relatively local and obscure myth, it had reached the ears of a certain American. And like most Americans, where there is treasure, he saw opportunity. On Dino's 26th night at Bantock House, it was beset by a horrible windstorm. Dino lay awake, worrying about his future. Four of the five work-study applications had come back undelivered. And earlier that day, he'd been blindsided by a bicyclist and nearly run over. He was more on edge than ever. But even he was not prepared for what was about to happen. Outside the house, three men gathered unshaven, unwashed men who had just stepped off a plane. The tallest of these wore a brand new Panama hat, which contrasted sharply with the black leather gloves. He grinned. Buckle up, boys. We're about to become rich men. One of the other men cackled, fingering a pistol in his belt. They weren't there to kill, but anyone who got between them and their fortune would have only themselves to blame. Either the house was empty, or it soon would be. Coming up, Dino's cushy summer job turns deadly.
1: You discover their practices, seek their advice and let yourself become more vulnerable than ever before. They have the ability to heal what the doctors can't, or so they say. Hi listeners, it's Vanessa from the podcast series Cults. Be sure to check out our four-part special on Miracle Healers airing right now. Meet figures from around the world who claimed powers and pushed remedies, but harbored more sinister intentions. You don't want to miss it. And if you're looking for more episodes on the most radical and deadly groups in history, Tune in to Cults every Tuesday. From Jim Jones and the People's Temple, to Charles Manson and the Manson family, to Keith Ranieri and Nexium, you'll uncover the unscrupulous methods used to turn bright eyed recruits into die hard believers. Follow the Spotify original from Parcast, Cults, free on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Now, back to the story. Dino shoved a pillow over his head, willing himself to sleep. The wind roared outside and the house groaned with age. And if the noise wasn't enough, his gut squirmed with guilt. His sister had accused him of being a bad son and shirking his family responsibility. The worst part was, he couldn't entirely disagree. He had been, and was still being, selfish. But he didn't know how to make things right without putting his entire life on hold. Though his job application seemed to be falling through left and right, he knew that with his grades, he'd be able to make something of himself. He didn't want to get stuck at home like Eva. The phone ringing was what finally caused him to sit up. He wondered if it was the owners calling to tell him they were back in the country. He did not turn any lights on. The moonlight was enough to guide him to the phone. He picked up the receiver and heard an indistinct voice on the other end. Can you speak up? He said, I can barely hear you over the wind. Eva's voice surfaced for a moment over the howling. Dino couldn't pick up the whole thing, but he caught a few key words. Mom, blood, hospital. Dino's heart plummeted. He told her that he would be right there, hung up the phone and threw his coat on. A thousand regrets surfaced in his mind. What if she had fallen into a coma? Had he missed the last chance to talk with her? He pushed those thoughts aside and flew down the stairs, making his way for the door, just as the lock turned over on its own. Dino skidded to a stop. Still wary from hours of attempted sleep he took a moment for his brain to shift into panic mode. Someone was breaking in. At that thought, Dino's instincts kicked in. He seized one of the banisters and vaulted over it, landing nimbly in the shadows by the basement entrance. And not a moment too soon. The heavy door swung open, crashing into the wall. It was followed by an annoyed whisper in English. Jesus, Brando, you couldn't open it quietly? Three men entered. One wore a white hat. Another had a scruffy goatee. The third was the only one who looked the part of the cat burglar with a black turtleneck and matching hood. Dino's heart raced. He had to get out the door, get to the hospital and see his mother. He'd be giving up the house to a bunch of burglars, but that didn't matter. What was he supposed to do against three hardened criminals anyway? The owners would understand. Besides, he could always tell them that he was in the hospital with his mother when the break in happened. He just had to get past the burglars. So, where's the money supposed to be anyway? Goatee asked the hat. You didn't tell us that part. The leader took a moment to survey the entrance hall. He said, The basement, of course. Dino's heart leaped to his throat. He was standing right by that doorway. He only had two options, descend into the basement or charge right into their hands and try to get past. And Dino had seen enough Hollywood movies to know not to get between an American and his treasure. As carefully as he could, he opened the doorway and slipped into the darkness. Dino took one step at a time, descending deeper and deeper into the earth. The stairs seemed to go on forever, and in his panicked state, his brain started to count. Oro, plata, mata. Oro, plata, mata. Oro, plata, mata. He reached the basement and felt his way into a corner just as two flashlight beams followed him down. The white hat of the leader practically shone in the darkness. Dino held his breath and pressed himself as far back as he could among the foundations and old crates. Two of the men, the hat and the turtleneck, entered the room and fanned out. Dino inched his way toward the stairs, hoping that he could make a break for it without anyone noticing. The criminals looked almost as nervous as he was. The house was creaking and groaning like some kind of sleeping monster. And they hadn't even seen how cracked and worn some of these beams were. Dino prayed the house didn't collapse while they were all in the basement. And then, one of the flashlight beams snapped to his face, and a voice growled. Look what we have here. Dino's breath caught. The flashlight beam was only a few feet away, just like hit the can. Dino slipped off a shoe and flung it at the light. He heard the boot connect and heard the burglar's cry of surprise and pain. The beam flailed wildly and Dino was off, running as fast as he could back up the stairs. He took three at a time, not caring how much noise he made. The men wouldn't chase him out onto the streets. Once he crossed the threshold, he'd be safe. But then he saw the man with the goatee standing by the doorway, pistol in hand. The man fired wide, causing Dino's ears to ring with the shock He turned and booked it for the second story. The gun went off again, and this time, he felt the wind of the bullet ruffle his hair. Another groan echoed through the building. His vision blurred before him. For a moment, it seemed like there weren't 18 stairs before him, but 1800. Then his toe caught on the landing and he went sprawling. He rolled over and looked up to see the leader of the group looming over him. The man grinned. Now, I think we've gotten off on the wrong foot. Who are you? The other two burglars joined him, turtleneck eyeing his trigger-happy colleague warily. Dino looked between the three men. They looked desperate, wolfish, and not a little silly in the moonlight. But he couldn't bring himself to say anything clever. I'm the house-sitter." This caused raucous laughter from all three burglars. The leader in the Panama hat knelt down and said, Look, there's no need for anyone to get hurt. We're just going to hold on to you for a while to make sure you don't do anything stupid. Once we get our money, we'll be out of here. What money? Dino asked. The bandit in the Panama hat responded by grabbing him and leading him to the basement entrance. And that was where he made his biggest mistake. A burglary is a fragile thing, easily upset by disturbances. And just like how a sudden noise can cause an avalanche, a mansion like the Barntock house is sensitive to intruders. A groan echoed from the very tip of the attic to the bones of the basement, and one of the support beams cracked. A dislodged Piso landed at the feet of the man in the Panama hat. He released Dino in surprise, then knelt to pick it up. His eyes glinted with excitement as he spoke. Well, it's a start. In actuality, It was to be his end. One of the enormous supports groaned in complaint. Perhaps the pressure of the storm had been too much, or perhaps it had just been undone by the rot of time. The beam snapped and plummeted after the Piso, landing right onto the head of the bandit leader. He crumpled like a ragdoll, head pinned to the earth. Dino rushed to his side and tried to lift the beam off the fallen man. He looked up at the other burglars. Help me, he shouted. The two men looked on in horror. Another scream of straining wood echoed throughout the chamber. The man with the goatee shouted, panicking. We gotta get out of here. The house is gonna collapse any minute. The man in the turtleneck shrugged. Looks like he's your problem now, kid. He scooped up the leader's discarded Panama hat and vanished out the door. Distant police sirens showed that the would-be thieves had made the right call. The man in the goatee fled a moment later. Pushing with all his might, Dino rolled the support beam off of the bandit. His scalp was a bloody mess, but at least his hands were still twitching. Dino, in an attempt to calm himself as much as the wounded man, said, It's your lucky day. I was actually just heading to the hospital. With the help of local authorities, Dino got the burglar to the hospital. There, he found Eva and his mother and got to relay all the strange events of the night. He never learned that the bandit leader died on the operating table, or that only one of his associates made it home to the States. All he knew was that his time at Bantock House was at an end. He would spend the rest of his summer trying to be a better son and a better brother than he'd been his entire life. His visits home were more frequent after that, and when he was there, he was really there. But he never went back to Bantock House, and he never stopped counting stairs. although today's superstition is specific to the philippines it's yet another example of a belief built around the number three there's a popular myth that celebrity deaths come in threes for instance which we unpacked on our sister show urban legends it's the most basic form of pattern recognition we have think of the phrase two's company three's a crowd the holy trinity in christianity or the latin saying on me trium perfectum, which means everything that comes in threes is perfect. In a sense, the superstition of oro, plata, mata is a subversion of that, because Philippine architects go out of their way to avoid having the number of stairs in a house divisible by three. Unlike the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, there is no harmony in these three; only bad luck, gold, silver or death. The origin of this superstition is murky. A long history of colonialism and unrest has made culture in the Philippines a unique mixture of outside and indigenous influences. The fact that both the foreign powers that colonized the Philippines were highly Christian nations, the Spanish Empire and the United States of America respectively, might have something to do with this fixation on the number three, but the research to support that is scarce. The other peculiar aspects of Bantok House in today's story are references to similar architectural beliefs throughout the Philippines. Staircases are supposed to be bent to the right, as it is the most righteous path. And Aratile’s trees are supposedly an omen of illicit pregnancy. Snakes on the grounds are supposed to be good luck, unless they stick around for too long. Perhaps most unsettling is a vague superstition around septic tanks that they should not rise above the ground level, and if they are, it's a sign of doom, perhaps because they start to look like tombstones. Barntock House was clearly constructed by someone who wished to tempt fate at every turn, though the one area that remained in line with tradition was the coins embedded into the pillars. These are supposedly a seal of good luck. The prevalence of this superstition speaks to how people see their own homes as a symbol of their lives. Our homes aren't important simply because all our stuff is there. They have to be emblematic of our own fortunes and misfortunes. When you're choosing a home, you're choosing a place to be your sanctuary from the outside world. If it isn't protected by every means, both natural and supernatural, who knows what could happen? And as for staircases themselves, well, it's no coincidence that they're regarded with a degree of suspicion. Like we mentioned in our episode about walking under a ladder, it's worth remembering how many people a year are injured or killed falling down the stairs. It's a part of our daily lives, our homes so perhaps that's the fear behind this filipino superstition the reason we count oro plata mata because no amount of gold or silver can save you from a bad fall so watch your step Thanks again for listening to Superstitions. You can find more episodes of Superstitions and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. Until next time, be wary of the things you cannot explain. Superstitions is a Spotify original from Parcast. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Kenny Hobbs, with production assistance by Ron Spiro, Carly Madden, and Erin Larson. This episode of Superstitions was written by Robert Teamstra, with writing assistance by Andrew Kelleher, fact-checking by Anya Bailey, and research by Brian Petrus. I'm Alistair Murden.